Hope. It's what military families need today. Join Hope for the Warriors once a month as we talk with America's heroes and those that support them. Through open conversations and honest dialogue, learn more about the topics that are most impacting the military community. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. Welcome to this second episode of the Hope for the Warriors podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we have a jam-packed episode for you. June is PTSD Awareness Month, and I am so excited to introduce you to my guest who just returned from Warriors Heart in Texas, which is a PTSD and addiction treatment facility. And I will warn you that conversation does get a little heavy, but it is well worth the listen. But before we get to my guest, I have to give a huge shout out to retired Sergeant Major Kevin Bittenbender, who 444 days after having his leg amputated from the knee down, he ran the Pittsburgh Marathon. 26.2 miles and here's what he had to say after crossing that finish line so this was a dream that came true for me i mean on a personal level so it was a it was a goal that i put out for myself 444 days ago and uh to have it come to fruition with the help of hope with the help of my teammates makes it all worthwhile seeing kevin cross the finish line was so special because Last year, he hand-cycled the marathon. He said he was going to run it. He ran it with his surgeon who amputated his leg. And that last mile, he had his service dog, Kirby, by his side. It was so inspiring. And if you want to check it out, you can head over to hopeforthewarriors.org. And Kevin, we had a great conversation after the race. And he's very open about his struggles with PTSD. He has been through so much after his deployments. And here's what he had to say about some of those struggles and what he wants other veterans to know. It took me eight years to seek help. Eight years that I struggled almost killing myself. And if it weren't for hope, he gifted me a hand cycle, a simple gift of, as a hand cycle, to get me back involved in being active again. Um, I wouldn't be here. I think this is a great segue into my first guest because what Kevin said rings so true. It took him so long to ask for help. And that is an issue that so many veterans are facing right now. And the whole point of this podcast is to encourage open and honest conversation. So I thought bringing on a veteran who recently returned from Warrior's Heart and is willing to speak openly about his struggles with PTSD could be incredibly valuable to our listeners. I'm so excited about my guest today for episode two of the Hope for the Warriors podcast because he is the godfather of my son. He is my brother-in-law, the one and only John Steele, one of my favorite people to talk to. And I'm just so grateful that you 
are willing to come on and talk to me about these kind of tough conversations. Absolutely. Thanks, Kate. It's good to see you. <laughs> Great to see you too. So why did you want to come on today, especially with it being PTSD Awareness Month? For me, I wanted to come on because I think there's layers to this conversation. And I think that it starts with honesty. You know, in the, in the military environment, we've, we sit through these briefings every year. You know, hey, if you're having a hard time, raise your hand. You know, that's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. For a really long time, I didn't. Then I got to a point where I did. And having gone through that process and going through that process with some, some, some close brothers and sisters in arms, I can speak empirically and say that it is the courageous act. These are hard conversations, but they're conversations that absolutely have to happen. So I obviously know you pretty well, <laughs> but for the <laughs> listeners that are, you know, tuning into this second episode, tell me a little bit about your service, about you, how you landed in the military. From a uh, God-fearing Southern family, uh, Alabama, kind of bounced, bounced around a little bit after that for dad's career. My, both my grandfathers served in the military, had, had uncles that served in the military. Aside from that, my... A lot of like my key mentors also served in the military just growing up. Coaches, uncles that weren't really uncles, but went by an uncle, you know, um, a lot of Vietnam and Desert Storm area era influence. And I had a hard time in high school. Go figure. Was a little bit behind everybody, you know, noticed it probably coming into like eighth, ninth grade. Harder for me to just kind of like grasp certain concepts. And the only way that I could learn was was talking about it and doing it like five or six times. So while all my buddies were, you know, going off into investment banking or business degrees or, you know, all this cool stuff, I was kind of like, mm, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So 2008, joined the Army, uh, started out in the infantry, did five years, around five years in combat arms, and my career kind of evolved from there. Ultimately found myself for, for a long stint of time in what would be considered like army firefighting, but more of a focus on technical rescue. Hung out there for a while and the rest is history. What is your current situation? You're out veteran. Uh, so from 2008 to 2023 would be my total years of service. Okay. Um, I'm just wrapping up a med board right now. Kind of wanted to do 20 plus years, but the, uh, the organization and all of their infinite wisdom kind of made the decision. Time to roll, brother. But, and that's okay. You know, that, that really is all right. I wasn't always okay with that. Um, when, when that first, when that news first came down, it felt like definitely a kick in the pants. But the, the way things are rolling out now is I'm, I'm at peace with it all. And that's something that we talk about a lot and something that Hope for the Warriors really focuses on is the transition from active duty to civilian life. And a big question that we have is that sense of identity. What did yeah. you feel when you learned that you weren't going to be in the military anymore? First thing I felt was confusion and like a, a, a frustrating confusion. And what I mean by that is, you know, spend, spending as much time in the military as, as I did, it just kind of got used to being the guy with the plan. Bottom line, had a, had answers. People would come to me when when things weren't okay, you know. And this is the the first time in my life where something that had to do with the military, I didn't have a answer. 
Oh, it didn't always have the right answer. I'm not trying to say that, you know, but a way forward gunfire. All right, cool. Let's move towards it. Right. I don't know. (laughs) But for me, it was kind of like, okay, well, this is confusing and this is scary. You hit the nail on the head when you, when you brought up the identity piece. And I think that that's something that a lot of warriors actually probably need healing of, right? It took me a while to really realize that there's more to me than military. You know, I have got a lot more to give, got a lot more to offer. There's more depth to me than, than the uniform represents. It's something I did. It's not who I am, right? I don't want to say that it didn't make me. Because I do think that um, my, my, my work ethic and my attention to detail and my, my, my ability to be a team player and passion for profession, things like that all come from the military. So, you know, it did help make me, but it's not who I am. So I, I hope that makes sense. There's the identity stab, right? And then there's kind of the stab of, of what now? And I, and I don't want to degrade the benefits, okay? I mean, like having the GI Bill and and, and the, the military resume and, and things like that, you know, but there's a... There's a myriad of obstacles that I faced that I really wasn't prepared for. And I'm sure you guys hear that all the time. And I know that that's one of your primary missions is filling that stopgap of the preparation piece, right? So, yeah, it's not easy. We just talked about obstacles that you faced mm-hmm. when transitioning to the civilian life. Do you want to touch on those? Thinking back on it, uh, I see bigs and littles. So the the bigs are... How does what I do in the military transition to a civilian career? Golden, golden question, right? Million dollar question. Hopefully, million dollar question. <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't just hang my hat in the in the combat arms. Like I said, I spent time in critical response. I spent time in in fire service. I spent time in a training role, ops, logistics. I kind of you know my 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 hat changed quite a few times during my career. The problem is. Logistics in the military doesn't look like logistics in the civilian world, even though the the stakes are much higher, even though there's just as many moving pieces in a battalion as there is in a Fortune 500 company from a personnel standpoint. That conversation hasn't really been framed very well with civilian recruiters. So resume building was obviously just like a, a huge hurdle, you know, and actually taking military terminology and... I don't want to say dumbing it down at all, but making it translatable, at least even just from like a conversational standpoint. Communication in the workplace. You know, we're we're a little rough around the edges. We're we're direct. We say what we feel, we say what needs to be done. So kind of padding my verbiage was definitely something that needed to needed to happen and did happen. You know, we we can change, we can learn, we are malleable. So that's kind of some of the bigs. Some of the littles would be the relationship that you have with teams in civilian work environments aren't always, there are exceptions, as meaningful or maybe um, intimate as what you have with some of your teammates in the military. You know, and I I understand the stakes are different. I know that the stage is different. The scenes are different, obviously. Um, But when you're like 15, 20, and the guys that have even done, you know, these 30-year guys spent their entire career standing with dudes that are left and right and women to their left and right that would literally do whatever it takes to bring them home and vice versa. And then you get into a position where it's just cutthroat, everybody gunning for the same position. That is a huge, not only shift in perspective, but there's there's like an emotional toll to that that I think that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, <laughs> I remember when it was like, guys that we really just wanted to get promoted because they, they proved their worth and, and, you know, personally and professionally, they're just 
solid, you know, well, we would kind of like rally around them and, and, and let them know like, Hey, we need to do this with your, with your, your, your promotion packet. Hey, we need to get you to these schools. And outside of like a, maybe like a single HR representative, if they're good, those conversations and those interactions don't really occur because everybody's looking for that increase. Everybody's looking for that, for that bump, you know? So what comes with that is kind of like the, the, the moral chink in the armor that kind of is the force multiplier for, I have less of a purpose, if that makes sense, right? Because the stakes are not as grave, right? And it's just not as like mission oriented or, or, or purpose driven, you could say, whatever. That's something, at least for me and some of my closest friends in the military that have transitioned, have said is one of the biggest hurdles. We are often very strong individually as warfighters, as warriors, but our true strength is gained by the cohesion. Individually, uh, warriors are very capable and adapt in a moment's notice to a, a changing environment, um, a changing battlescape. But really, our true strength, our true ability is, is our cohesion and the, the brotherhood and sisterhood and the, the family dynamic. Take that situation of less of a mission and less of a family dynamic it really leaves a gaping hole for for me at least kind of almost in my in my heart of like what i'm getting out of this and what am i part of and i think that that's why you see so many veterans transitioning to law enforcement fire service ems uh nonprofit work you know for me personally i've kind of had this like left right pinball of career changes i've uh, you know i've done everything from breaking grounds to selling grounds to building houses to selling insurance you know i just couldn't couldn't figure out what i want to do and um, now where i've landed is I'm, I'm going into psychology my primary mission for my life is to give back to to veterans that are that are hurting my mental health really began to unravel about a year and a half ago and there was just a deluge of people that fell into place outside of the military, clinicians, psychologists, chemical dependency counselors that I can say with zero doubt in my mind saved my life more times than once. But now that I'm doing better personally, it's like, okay, cool. So now I'm going to go do this for someone else. What I would say to guys and gals that are transitioning currently, you don't have to figure it out right now. We are, we are so used to being in an environment where mistakes are very, very, very costly, okay? And it sounds cliche, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I would say to them, you are home. The stakes are not as grave, and you don't have to figure it out today, all right? This isn't a one-shot kill scenario. You don't have to get it right, right out the gate. Go wear some different hats, live some life, hurt some hurt and focus on your healing because it goes hand in hand. If your head and your heart are not healing, your paycheck won't be there. First things first. The reason that we started this podcast was to just be able to have open and honest conversations. And this is yep. really helpful for me too, because obviously I'm on the outside of it. My husband's in the military, so it helps me understand him a little bit more as well. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. You just returned from Warrior's Heart. Mm -hmm. What was the 
and that's a that's a program that's in Texas inpatient facility. Yeah. What led you to make that decision to go to Warrior's Heart? My life had just completely come off the rails. It was a slow burn. Looking back, saw things starting to kind of go a little sideways, I'd say probably back in like 2018, 2019. But it was just little blips on the radar that at the time I would just equate to stress of the job. Anxiety kind of 2020 rolled around and anxiety kind of turned into panic attacks. And then that kind of quickly turned into depression and isolation tendencies and just a a lot of general confusion as to like what's going on with me. Right. In 2021, I, my, my, my marriage had just, I mean, absolutely blown apart. I was deep into the throes of alcoholism. During 2021, I was also wrestling with with suicidal ideation. You know, just the thoughts of like, you know, this is just this is dumb. I mean, I'm just going to get out of everybody's way. I'm 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 a I'm an attention vacuum. I'm requiring too much attention from my family, my friends, my loved ones, my brothers and sisters in arms. So one night, I was like, all right, this is it. I'm I'm done. You know, so grab my grab my gun put it in my mouth and uh i was i was ready to roll i was you know drunk off my rocker and um reached into my wallet and just wanted to pull out a picture of my wife i was too drunk to even write a a letter or anything like that and so in my in my stupid selfish drunk mind i I kind of figure well maybe at least if there's a picture of her she'll know that i love her and you know all that stuff was a pull out picture of my wife stuck to the back of it is can't tell you how many times I've been given them in my career, and I don't even know why I had it, but it was the suicide prevention hotline card that you get from the VA. And I'm a I'm a religious guy, and I'm sitting there in the hall on the floor in the hallway of my house. I'm just like, you got to be you got to be kidding me, <laughs> you know? I mean, you you you, you got to be kidding me. So I dropped the magazine, pulled around out of the chamber. I said, "There's no way this is gonna they're gonna answer." Call the number. First ring, guy picks up the phone, stays on the phone with me for an hour and a half, dumps knowledge bombs on me, and just he was a, he was a former service member himself. Just just sat with me, man, until I was able to, you know, to get through it. And um, so that for me was the the breaking point, right? My drinking is out of control. My mental health is is just spiraling out of control. I got to do something about this. So I, I reached out to, you know, psychologists, therapists, that kind of thing. We tried to we tried a couple different treatment protocols, just kind of like scratching the surface probably of the treatment protocol that I really needed. Some good definitely came out of it, at least just from like an educational standpoint of learning about benefits and, and learning about treatment protocols. I was able to get involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and got sober um, with the help of an incredible community of veterans and sponsors that were, were also prior service that really understood kind of the the weight and some of the complexities of like the co-diagnosis of uh, substance abuse disorder, as well as mental health issues. And one thing led to another and never thought that it was the case, but I ended up receiving a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress related to, you know, some service-related stuff as well as just some personal life stuff. But anyway, one of my closest friends in the military served with him for many years. He had been wrestling with uh, addiction as, as, as well as post-traumatic stress and some mental health stuff. And he went to this place down in Bandera, Texas called Warrior Park. 
prior to him going down to Warrior's Heart, he called me, hey, man, I'm about to do something stupid. I need I need some people to come get my firearms. Um, can you help me get to the VA? You know, this stuff. so I picked him up, and I um, mean, he's just in pieces, and it's just breaking my heart, you know, watching him go through. He came back from Warrior's Heart with light in his eyes, you know, air in his lungs and peace in his heart. And I was still really going through it. You know, I was still really in the throes of a lot of this stuff. And I said, man, I, I need to do something here. You know, like, let's let's give it a call. And I went down to Warrior's Heart, spent 45 days there, did the full program, changed my life forever, saved my life, got my medication protocol squared away down there, got a new mission for my life on paper, communicated with the people that I love. Um, and it's intense, Okay. I don't want this to sound like a uh, vacation resort for warriors because that is 100% not the situation. And they know that we oftentimes have strong minds and strong backs. We just need a little bit of help, a little bit of nudges in the right direction. I mean, all the stuff that, um, you know, prior to warrior's heart, if someone told me this is what I needed, I would have laughed out loud and ordered another shot of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, if you told me a year ago that I was going to be doing yoga five days a week with a bunch of like SEALs and Green Berets <laughs> and Rangers and Marines and FBI dudes and firefighters and cops, I'd be like, yeah, man, I think you need to go to Warrior's Heart because you're losing it. <laughs> you know? But that's where I found myself. It healed me. The two things that I walked away with the, the, at, at a high level, the two things that were just life changing tools. Okay. There's nothing that we can do to go back and change what happened to us before, during, or after the military that got us into the position with our mental and physical health that we're in. But there is a very, very reliable toolbox that can be got. Okay. And it has to be, it has to be taught. All right. And that's what I was taught down there. You wanted to touch on the PTSD diagnosis, which is fitting because we do a monthly newsletter And that was one topic that we're talking about is PTSD and how it's not, doesn't have to be a life sentence. It's something that can be fixed. And I feel like a lot of veterans don't realize that it's not something that they have to carry. Can you expand on that? You you hit the nail on the head where it's not a life sentence. And the the analogy that I like to use in in reference to post-traumatic stress is it's it's not a piece of issued equipment. And my, my fellow warriors listening to this podcast will know what I mean by that, where, you know, you didn't, you didn't sign for it and it's not, you know, just a part of your kit. It can be, uh, be tackled. It really can. Now the cards face up the, the protocol for tackling it is intense. The studies are real. The, the realities are there. The facts are in alignment that like, if you're wanting to get after it, you got to get after it. And I, and I, I don't think it looks the same for everybody. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a clinician. Um, but I've had enough of these conversations to know that the, the symptoms of PTS manifest themselves differently from, from individual to individual. It gets cloudy with the, the kind of the collision of post-traumatic stress and, and, and moral injury. They're, they're actually two different things, but the, the symptoms overlap quite a bit. The good news is, is there is protocol that's protocol for a reason. There are methods, there are practices, there's medication compounds that that work. They really do. I think that I would say that it's important for someone who is um, really starting to tackle this to realize that it, it takes a holistic eyes, a holistic set of eyes 
there's so many things that come along with it. You know, don't be afraid to, 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 to also tackle sleep issues. Cause that was a huge thing for me. Um, don't be afraid to also tackle home life issues. Okay. There's, there's, there's a lot of things that are force multipliers for post-traumatic stress. A lot of that can be in, in the workplace. A lot of that can be family dynamics. A lot of that can be, you know, ex- exacerbating relationships. And some people that I would hang out with where like, seemed like the conversation would always come back to like, military issues or um, abuse issues or, or, or addiction issues, things like that. And for me, that, that was just like really kind of scratching that wound. And what I found is, you know, when you have those honest conversations with people, they, they, they're actually very receptive. Hobbies and outlets, you know, I mean, that's another big thing. Find something that you love with or without your, you know, association to the military. That was huge for me. I mean, there's the there's the the, the stereotypical warfighter hobbies, you know, whether it be going to the range or hunting, and and I love those things. You know, I'm not saying that I can no longer fire a weapon. That was that's not even attached to my specific you know instance of, of post traumatic stress or anything. But but like, I mean, there, there's there's a world of things that you can get involved in and that you can find new passions in that are just like so so healthy. I am now a big fan of yoga. And, and mindfulness practices, you know, I'm just like a, like a, like a gunslinging hippie over here, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I mean, uh, don't be, a, don't be afraid to try new things, you know, um, and, 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 and drop, drop preconceived notions. And we've done that before, right? I mean, like we've, we know what it's like to throw ourselves into the unknown. Okay. We can't be sticks in the mud. All right. If we're going to raise our hand and go to a school that we don't know anything about, but we know that it's going to be beneficial for years and years and years in the military. But when it comes to our mental health, we say, I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to do it. Well, guess what? We're being super freaking hypocritical and we're, we're not doing what's required to take care of ourselves. You know, I want to take a step back. And first off, thank you for sharing with me that story from 2021. Mm-hmm. that was really powerful and I'm just really sorry that you were to that point if you could talk to that man again that you spoke to that night when you dialed the phone what would you say to him wow I would say thank you and don't stop I would probably call him a hero i would tell him that because you know he, he, it, it was a va it was a va number i would say that you know if there's one arm of the va that is firing on all cylinders it's uh it's whatever foxhole he's sitting in i haven't thought about that thanks for asking that and i would probably have more to say but would need time to unpack it in my head I think it's important for anyone listening to hear that because how many members of our military community are struggling in that way and get to that point and they do pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to, for them to hear stories like yours that you didn't and you're so grateful that you didn't and you found the help that you need and you're in a much better place now 
Yeah. You know, and it's, it's rewriting the warrior's code, right? Because it's, there's always kind of that notion of like, I'm going out with my boots on, you know, at least I'm going to go out on my own terms kind of thing. And then there's, it's, it's, it's compounded and, and force multiplied by the notion of this will be an end. This is a way out. And, you know, frankly, a lot of us are just more comfortable with death than a lot of the average public. Um, so to us, it's not as kind of like dark and just kind of almost like the next phase, the next adventure, you know, this is an uncomfortable conversation, but it is the selfish thing. Selfless service is a, is a watch word, a watch term of ours. Just because the service may be over doesn't green light a selfish act. And I know that that's a forward thing to say, and I know that's direct, but it's something that I, that I really want to get off my chest to my, to my brothers and sisters in arms. And they're like, never forget how far you've come. Okay. Like the fact that you're, you're here, right. You're still breathing means you still got fight. It is really, really hard. And it's going to be hard. No sugarcoating here. Right. Things get harder when you start the treatment. Bottom line. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass around it. When you raise your hand and you say, Hey, I need help. What's going to follow is not going to be easy, but man, it is worth it. I mean, there's a, there's a, a cloud of peace that I have in my life and my buddies who we've done this together have in their life that we didn't think is possible. And we haven't had in our lives for so long that it almost feels completely new and it's profoundly inspiring. And I can, I can say with, with full honesty that one of the best things that ever happened to me was that I was diagnosed with mental health issues and I wrestled with alcoholism. Genuinely, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because now the lane of potential impact that I have in my life of helping other warriors, whatever capacity I end up, end up doing it is, is genuinely going to be more beneficial and have a greater depth of impact than anything I did in the military. Well, John Steele, thank you so much for being so open yeah. and with me and having this conversation because it's been so beneficial and I know it'll be beneficial to our listeners as well. So thank you for being the guest this week. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you. And thanks for everything you guys do at Hope for the Warrior. It's a fantastic organization and I'm really glad you're there. Wow. I hope that you all got as much out of that conversation as I did. There was a lot of emotions to talk about but I just so appreciate the honesty of John to talk about all of his struggles and what he went through. And what's so inspiring to me is how he made it to the other side. And don't get me wrong, he still has work to do, which he said, but he made it to the other side. And at this point, he is in such a wonderful place. And I think that those success stories and stories of hope are so important for anyone listening to hear whether you're a veteran you're active duty 
a spouse, or a civilian. To hear that you can be going through mental health struggles and make it on the other side. So I just want to say thank you so much, John Steele, for being on and to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. Once again, we do this every month. You can like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. And just remember, a little kindness goes a long way. Until next time, hope. It's what our military community needs today.